I got in the habit a few years ago of ending some of my funeral sermons with words that come from the the end of the third chapter of Ephesians. In other words, right before our reading picks up this morning, I want to share those words with you. Words that I tacked on to almost every funeral sermon. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish far more than we can ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. I think this started maybe a decade ago for me. When I finished a, a funeral sermon and I was sitting there looking at the, the dull glow of the screen back at me and the words on it, I had the sinking feeling that it wasn't quite enough. How do you, after all, bring the full hope of the gospel, the full witness of the resurrection in power to provide comfort and hope to a grieving family and to a congregation in grief, how do you sum up a life in a 15-minute sermon? The easy answer is that you don't. So it felt to me like these words from Ephesians were a way of saying, now that I, in my limited ability with God's help, have done my best to proclaim the hope of the gospel and celebrate this important life that is now absent from us. Let us give all of this over to the one who can accomplish far more than we can ask or imagine. It's important when you're standing in the midst of fresh grief and death, when you stand in the presence of suffering, to recognize the limits of what you can say or do, to bow in the face of mystery with a degree of humility, which is exactly what Ephesians calls us to do. And you would be forgiving, forgiven for thinking after Paul says those words that this marks the end of the letter to the church at Ephesus. After all, he even says rather profoundly there, Amen. But it turns out that Paul is just shifting gears. He's only in the middle of this letter. It's the same shift that we observe when we declare that our mission as a church is responding to God's grace through worship, study, and service. Every time we say that mission out loud, we are displaying the shape of the Christian gospel. We worship, we study, we serve, not to earn God's favor, but as a response to God's favor. And here we know that Paul has made that shift because he uses the word, therefore. Anytime that you see this word, or hear it spoken, whether in Scripture or in any kind of writing or any kind of uh, speaking, you hear the word therefore, then you know that what you are about to read or hear follows from what came before. So it is that Paul, just having pronounced the grace of God, 
And the blessing of that grace that is able to do far more than we can ask or imagine invites the response of the church, the response of the people. Lead a life, he says, in response. Lead a life worthy of this call, of the call. We are the ones who have passed through these waters of baptism. We are the ones who feast at the table of the Lord. These means of grace to us. We are the ones who've been called by name. We've been given all of these gifts. And now we are called to respond. And the shape of that life in response is humility and gentleness and and patience. Paul says, bearing with one another in love, making every effort, he says, to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bonds of peace. Paul calls forth this kind of life not because we are able to do it on our own, but because the one who has called us has given us all we need, has empowered us to lift up this gracious response. So when you stand before a love that surpasses knowledge, that's how Paul describes the love of Christ in Ephesians. A love that surpasses knowledge. You do so at first with humility. When the world around you is soaked in mystery, you learn patience. I've always loved the poet Mary Oliver's words about this in her poem entitled Mysteries, Yes. Truly we live with mysteries too marvelous to be understood. How grass can be nourishing in the mouths of lambs. How rivers and stones are forever in allegiance with gravity while we ourselves dream of rising. How two hands touch and the bonds will never be broken. How people come from delight or the scars of damage to the comfort of a poem. Let me keep my distance always from those who think they have the answers. Let me keep company always with those who say, look and laugh in astonishment and bow their heads. Bow their heads. Humility, it seems to me, in the face of such mystery, should always be paired with patience. If we all recognize what we do not know, do we not tend to be more patient with other people and other circumstances because we recognize that our perception could be skewed, our knowledge we know is incomplete? This is at the heart of what it means to live by grace. It's the heart of what it means to live as those who bow our heads in the face of mystery. Brene Brown did a study several years ago. and Part of that study, she had a a large group, a qualitative research study, 
And she asked them a simple question. The question was, do you believe that people are always doing the best they can at the moment? Or do you not? Do you believe that people are always doing the best that they can at the moment? Or do you not? She claims that the study revealed that those who answered yes to that question were living what she calls wholehearted lives. That is, that they were willing to be vulnerable. They were humble. They they believed in their own self-worth. And those who answered no were people who struggled with perfectionism and were quick to point out how they were not always doing the best they could at the moment, and they were as hard on others as they were on themselves. She quoted one study participant who said he really struggled with the question, which I suspect we all do struggle with this question. But then he went on to say, all I know is that my life is better when I assume that people are doing their best. It keeps me out of judgment and lets me focus on what is and not on what should or could be. I remember several years ago, we studied this book from Brene Brown as part of our Wednesday morning Bible study, and we paired it. We noticed how this idea, when we paired it with certain scriptures, that everyone is doing the best they can at the moment is closely connected to Paul's writing about the mystery of grace and the call of the Christian to humility and to patience and to bearing with one another in love. All of it is rooted, Paul says to us, in being debtors to grace. Debtors to grace. And all of this is moving in Paul's writing toward a focal point. Unity. Ephesians reminds the church that it's unity is not an accomplishment, but a fact. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and in all and through all, says Paul. And Christ is at the head of this church, which is his body, and it is not divided. It is one body. All the gifts of the church, all the work of ministry by the church's leaders is for one purpose, to equip the saints for the work of ministry until we all come to unity, till we all grow up into Christ, who is the head. And part of what it means, I think at least, to grow up into Christ is to learn what it means that we are debtors to grace, to learn the path of forgiveness, humility, and patience. And the church in these early days is being uh, beset by lots of different doctrines and people. Some of those who are trying to steer the church away from this grace-filled anchor who would try and suggest, as many were in those days, and quite frankly, as many are, 
do today that faith is not a gift, but an accomplishment. That our identity is somehow found in all the many ways the world continues to try and divide us and not in the waters of the one baptism. That only those who are worthy, who believe the right things, who follow the right people, only those who are worthy can dine at the table of the Lord. Paul responds to all of those with the words that says, don't be like children. Don't be tossed about to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Don't lose the centrality of grace. Perhaps the words that I often use in funerals also work in this liminal space as we step from the word at the pulpit to the bread and wine at the table, a table that's open to all. Maybe the words are just what the church needs to hear in 2021, what each of us needs to hear as we discern and attempt to move into God's future, praying for unity, praying for courage, praying for humility and patience, because we all are, after all, doing the best we can at the moment. We are all of us human. We are all reliant on God's mercy. As the lyrics to a song by the whistles and the bell says in the form of a prayer, I need just a little more mercy, please. Beggar at your door, I will always be. So may the blessing of Ephesians be the blessing for us all. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish far more than all we can ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen.